We're in John chapter 18. We start with verse 1, we go to all the way through John 19 and end with verse 16. The title of the message is The Trials. I want to remind you, a few weeks back, a couple of times, I showed you an image. The image up behind me, you can see Peter being singled out because Jesus singled Peter out. Judas is already gone because he's going to go betray Jesus into the hands of those who would cause him harm. And Peter is singled out. Peter's told Jesus that he would die for him before he would deny him. But then Jesus said, you're going to do this before morning. You're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. Just wanted to remind you that Jesus prophesied that only mere hours before we actually see it unfold in our text today. Mere hours earlier, he had prophesied what was going to happen and what we'll see unfold in our text. Understand that this could have been a very, very long message. In fact, the way I carved it up originally was into three different messages today, so it would have been more. So instead, what I chose to do, and I think is best for us, is to just do it in one. And as we do this, we're not going to go into the synoptic Gospels. Now, you can go into Matthew, Mark, and Luke and get different angles. And there's a lot of information there. But today, we're not going to spend a lot of time in, we're not going to spend any time in the synoptics. We're going to spend all of our time in John. If you remember, what makes John different than all of the other Gospels is that he focused on what Jesus said more than what he did. And in today's text, there is a little bit of a, a, an interesting little twist because he focuses on what Jesus didn't say. And, and that actually is a point. <clears throat> he also focuses on, gets us to focus on something that sometimes we don't pay attention to, but I'll highlight it for you. John chapter 18, starting with verse 12. So the band of soldiers and their captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. First they led him to Annas, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. It was Caiaphas who advised, had advised the Jews that it would be expedient that one man should die for the people. I don't know if you remember how that unfolded, but there were people that were wanting Jesus killed way back days earlier. And they were arguing that this needed to happen. And Caiaphas stepped in and said, hold on, hold on. The person needs to get a fair trial kind of a thing. He seemed to step in and give reasoning. And then on top of that, he tried to calm them down and he, he tried to provide some wisdom. And he did mention that it might be good that one die for his people. And it, it just screams off the pages to me that maybe Caiaphas had a little bit of insight. Maybe God was nudging him a little bit. It still didn't stop things. Our text continues. Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. That would be John, the writer of this gospel. 
Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest, but Peter stood outside the door. So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. That's interesting. The bouncer was a girl. <laughs> That's just a funny this thing in my head. Oh, okay. The, the one that guards the door is a girl. That's just, you go back then and you, you don't think in your head that they would have that, but that's the way it was. So there, uh, John um, did bring Peter in, but there's more to the story. <clears throat> the servant girl at the door said to Peter, you also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the servants and officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold and they were standing and warming themselves. Peter also was with them, standing and warming himself. So get the scenario. There, there's coals. And the, the purpose of this, there's a fire going, but the, what they really want is the coals so that they can get closer to it. Because when the flame is up high like that, you can't really get close to it. But when the coals are... It's just cold and there's not a big flame. Everybody can stand over it and warm their hands and their bodies and get close. And that's what Peter was doing. With, notice the mixture. You've got officers, you've got slaves, and you've also got Peter who's mixed in with them. And he's at the coal fire and, and he's got John trying to get him in the door and everybody at the coal fire, which must be right by the door, is noticing that Peter just got called out. Aren't you one of his disciples? I am not. First denial. <clears throat> Verse 19 continues, The high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Jesus answered him, I've spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in synagogues and in the temple where all Jews come together. I have said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. They know what I said. And that's a brilliant answer. Anybody could... Repeat what Jesus said. So the high priest is questioning what he's been saying, but the biggest problem, if you, as you well know, is that he was claiming to be God. That's the big thing. But Jesus, instead of answering, he said, go ask them. They know. Ask my accusers. Ask the people who were there. I did it openly. Verse 22, when he had said these things, one of the officers standing by struck Jesus with his hand, saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, If what I said is wrong, bear witness about the wrong. But if what I said is right, why do you strike me? Annas then sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. There's a couple of things to notice here. First of all, when Scripture speaks of striking, it's always good to understand what that's about. Um, it's always good to read it in context. We are told in another passage, if someone strikes you on your cheek, turn to him the other. And that's talking about an insult. That would be a strike that is a slap. 
It's not a punch where you're trying to beat somebody down and hurt them. More than likely, what's happening here with Jesus right now is also a slap, not a punch. More of don't talk to him that way. And it's interesting that this is brought up because if you'll remember, Annas is not the high priest. He was, but he's not. Caiaphas is the high priest. And so notice Annas has a lot of influence and a lot of respect, but Caiaphas is the high priest. It continues, now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. So they said to him, you also are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter again denied it. And at once the rooster crowed all three times have now happened. But I want you to pay careful attention to the the vivid details that John gives us. And God inspired him to give us these details for a reason. Pay careful attention. Uh, You'll see an image up behind me. I want you to have this image in your head because in weeks to come, we're going to open this up. We're going to peel this back as to why. But why why did God inspire John to make sure we knew that all three times that Peter denied knowing Jesus, he was standing over coal fires. What's the point? There is a reason. And we'll get to that in a few more weeks. But make sure that's in your head. Jesus was denied by Peter three times as Peter was standing over coal fires each and every time. There's a reason. And we'll get to that if the Lord permits. Verse 28 continues. Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled, but could eat the Passover. So Pilate went outside to them and said, what accusation do you bring against this man? Something interesting to note there. Pilate surely knew the reason why he had to go outside because the normal procedure would, they would meet him inside, but because the Jews would feel contaminated by being in his presence, in his, in the home of a non-Jew. He didn't focus on that. He just understood that's the way the people believe. So he went ahead and went outside, and he was very accommodating. You do understand the Romans were a little afraid of the Jewish people because there were, they were in large numbers. And he showed some respect, which is good. They answered him, If this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. The Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. And he had already said these things in the upper room, and before. 
But we should note that it was the law, that the Jews were allowed to govern themselves, that the Romans had said, okay, you guys have good rules, you enforce your own laws, but you will not be able to put your own to death. Because God had instituted those kinds of laws. In fact, one of them was if anyone should uh, murder, then that person should be put to death. That is what God instituted. It's not, I know there's, it's not trendy in this state. We got rid of the death penalty. Uh, But scripturally speaking, it's what God instituted. But the Romans said, you can't do that. Just like Washington state government said, you can't do that right now. So the Romans said, no, 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 that will be up to us. We can do that. So that's why they took him to Pilate. And about this time, a light bulb should be going off in Pilate's head, and I'm sure that it did. Like, they want me to kill this man. That's why they brought him here. That's what they said. It's not lawful for us to put someone to death. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord? Or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. It seems very clever that Jesus would say these things to Pilate. Pilate has clearly heard that people are saying the king, there's a person who's claiming to be king of the Jews. And he knows he is the king of the Roman Empire. Or at least king of his region in the Roman Empire. So, oh, okay, so uh, I, I must... Uh, I must think about this. Here's somebody who might try to overthrow the Romans. But he wasn't that concerned about it. More concerned with, well, it's just going to be a king of the Jews. No big deal. Are you the king of the Jews? Because that seems to be a concern. Well, he says, are you claiming this on your own or did somebody tell you that? So he's putting it back on Pilate. So you're calling me king of the Jews? And Pilate's quick to say, I'm not a Jew. You wouldn't be my king. It's your own people that are rejecting you. And then he says, my kingdom is not of this world. You see, the Jewish people, they were in place to bring us the Messiah. Not for him to be an earthly king over them. Not for him to be a king over them even as he ascends to heaven. He is a king of kings and lord of lords, and it's an eternal kingdom, not just for the Jews. And they certainly didn't understand that's what he was trying to do. But that was his goal, and he's heading there. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. 
Pilate said to him, What is truth? It's interesting. He cleverly said the right words to Pilate so that Pilate would then come back and say, So you are a king. Okay, you say I am. (laughs) I thought that was great. And Jesus speaks more truth, and Pilate says, What is truth? One of our biggest problems in the world today is people really don't want to answer that question. In fact, the trend is and has been that there is no truth. Your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. And all the way back in the New Testament, we have a character who played a significant role in the death of Jesus who is asking this question probably in a sarcastic at best way. After he said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. But you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They cried out again, not this man, but Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was a robber. So they want to take somebody who is a hardened criminal, and they want to free him, but condemn Jesus. Pilate, I'm sure, knew they weren't going to free Jesus. They brought him to Pilate. They want him dead. They don't want to free him. But in order to wash his hands of the issue, he decides to give them an option. I can free someone, and I can free him back to you. But they refused. Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Once again, probably not to punch him, but to insult him. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I'm bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. The flogging that I've talked about in detail, and next week you'll hear about, I'm sure, was a very, very horrible thing. This actually led to many people's death. I can't help but wonder if part of Pilate's thinking was, if I punish him like this, maybe they'll say that's enough because he'll be close to death. Maybe, maybe they won't have me crucify him. And then the soldiers, here's, this is a thing that happens. It's one of those sad notes about mankind is so many times you find people and you read about these things on the news. It's an interesting thing. I keep saying, turn the news off, turn your social media off I, I, as much as you can. I like those things, but I tried to, not to have them on, on a whole lot. But it was Elon Musk that recently said that it used to be that we would look 
in our in our towns, and talk, and we would find out what the new news is in our town. Small newspapers, you know, and uh, oftentimes are weekly newspapers. And you read as soon as you get them, you're reading what's happening in my town, what's happening in my community, and then it grew to world news. And so now we hear all the world news, and we learn a whole lot more than we ever did about what's happening around the world. So people get up for the day and they turn on their social media or turn on the news, however they're doing it, to find out what's the worst thing that's happening in the world and we wonder why we're sad. (laughs) And one of those things that you learn when you see the news sometimes is that uh, one of those sad notes about mankind is that like you see sometimes groups of kids that are uh, assaulting an older person for no good reason. And instead of after they take whatever they're taking from the older person, they continue harming the older person. It's like a a group mob think thing that happens. And when one starts attacking, instead of somebody stopping them, it's like, stop, it's too much. They all jump in and do the bad. And so the soldiers are doing this too. They've already flogged this person who's close to death now And now they're insulting him more by putting a crown of thorns on him. And that was not just for mimicking him, for claiming he's a king, but it was also for hurting him. And then they slapped him around. They put a purple robe on him to, hey, look, you're a king. He's bleeding almost to death. And then Pilate parades him out to them to show them, look, he's almost dead. And look what he says. See, I'm bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. In other words, this is enough. I believe Pilate hoped they would not ask for more. So Jesus came out, this continues in in chapter 19, verse 5. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and a purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. Look at him. And imagine how he was, hunched over, beaten down, bloody, breathing heavy, clearly his body physically in distress. Someone that you would want to take to the hospital if you saw this in modern times. So it's my belief that Pilate hoped they would have pity on him. When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law, he ought to die, because he has made himself the Son of God. So they're pleading once again, No, Pilate, you have to do this. Our law says so. When, and <laughs> I, wanna, I want you to think of the scene. I want you to imagine this. So let's just say, and we're not doing this because we don't have the people. Maybe someday we will. But there was a scene uh, in a church similar to this, a lot bigger. But in this church, many years ago, they had a, um, a passion play. Maybe you've been to one of these. And they try to play out the whole scene of Jesus dying on the cross. It's quite dramatic to see just a play on it. 
And in one of the scenes, and typically when you have a passion play, the way it works is you've got a crowd gathered all around because that's the way it was. There's a crowd gathered for Jesus before he was sentenced to death. And as the crowd's all gathering around, you've got Jesus who's already been beaten. He's, he looks like he needs medical attention because he does. And, and yet, so everybody in the play is supposed to yell. They were all coached, you know, the, 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 the drama coaches are saying, so at this particular time is when we start yelling, crucify him, crucify him. So what happens, if you can imagine in a setting like this, imagine that there is a figure that looks like Jesus that's been beaten. He's in a purple robe. He's got a crown of thorns and Pilate's there. And he's saying, behold the man. And you've got the crowd out there that has gathered. And, and, it, and it would catch you off guard because you're sitting in a church setting like this and we're trying to do a passion play. So you imagine the crowds coming in from the back doors and it feels weird. Like all of a sudden there's crowds all around. And then the, that's off, off-putting. And it's like, whoa, what am I in? And then they start yelling, crucify him, crucify him all around us. If you can imagine how intense that would be, that's, that's what they try to do in these passion plays. And it feels like, oh my goodness, this is, this is heavy. Uh, my English teacher at Ozark Christian College said that she was in a play, and she's one of the actors. It's one of those kind of things like when you're a kid and you get to be a tree in a play. You know, it's a minor role, but you're in the play. Um, Anyway, she was just one of those that's supposed to yell, crucify him, crucify him. But it was so intense. It's like it would be with you. And you're feeling that like, oh, my goodness, I'm right in the middle of it. Instead, in the moment when she's looking at what she imagined to be her Lord, because he's dressed up and he looks the part, and everybody's yelling, crucify him, crucify him. She yelled at the top of her lungs for everybody to hear in the middle of this passion play, somebody help him. That ruins the whole thing, you know. But nobody was there in the real scene that yelled that. None of Jesus' disciples. Nobody. Jesus was taking it alone. The only person that would ever walk this planet that never sinned, was tempted, but never caved into it. The only person that didn't mess up. The only person that really never deserved that kind of treatment was taking it by himself. Alone. How unfair is that? But he did it for me. And he did it for you. When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. Told you. They were afraid. He entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, You will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? So you can tell. Pilate is trying to get out of it. He doesn't want to do this. And Jesus is not speaking now. But then he answers. Jesus says, 
You would have no authority over me at all unless I, it had been given you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. Judas is who he's referring to. It feels a little strange that we would cut off the message at this point in time today. Just know, and you already know, it doesn't end here. So here's some life applications. Five things. Sometimes one must endure extreme unfairness. Maybe you've experienced that in your past. Maybe you're experiencing that now. Sometimes the unfairness is injustice. But sometimes one must endure extreme unfairness. It's just the way of life. And Jesus is doing it in our story right now. Sometimes outstanding disciples do dumb things repeatedly. I read recently that when you get older, you still do stupid things, just slower. (laughs) Are you feeling it? Yeah. But sometimes outstanding disciples do dumb things repeatedly. Peter, we don't want to justify continual sin because continual sin always leads to eternal punishment. But what we do see is that Peter struggled, and he struggled in a very short time period, and sinned three times with a horrible sin. Repeatedly, he messed up. He denied Jesus three times. You'd think after the first time, right there with John, all these other people, are you one of his disciples too? I am not. You'd think after that, he'd be thinking to himself, what did I just do? I said I would die for him. He said I would deny him three times, and now I just did it once. Oh my goodness, I can't do this again. And maybe he did. Maybe you do. Maybe after you've done that thing, you know you've got to stop doing. I shouldn't have done that. I've got to stop. And then the temptation is there again. And you do it again. And you've got to know it's so disappointing to the Father. And you do it again? At some point in time, you've got to come to terms with the reality that this has to stop because continual sin always leads to eternal punishment. Peter must have been thinking that, especially after the rooster crowed. That had to be a reminder. Jesus said, I would do this, and here I am. I did it. Let it be a reminder to you today, if you have been repeatedly messing up, whatever that may be, maybe when no one else is around, when you think nobody's watching, or maybe it's something that your family sees, your co-workers see, your neighbors, classmates, it's got to stop. Third, Often, the majority is wrong. I don't know if you've um, studied a whole lot about history, but American history is very grand. It's uh, 
it's a privilege to live in this great country. But democracy is a beautiful thing. But if you'll notice in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, almost without fail, the majority is wrong. And when it comes to voting, they voted and chose Barabbas. They were way wrong. It had to happen so that we could spend eternity with him. We couldn't have salvation without this happening, but still, the majority was wrong. And unfortunately, sometimes even in churches, the majority is wrong. Shall I mention Guyana, Jim Jones? Often the majority is wrong. Sometimes circumstances seem bleak, but with Jesus... Better days are ahead. It doesn't look good. Jesus is already in need of medical attention. Many people didn't even survive the beatings. He's got the weight of the world on his shoulders, and still he hasn't gone through the most difficult part yet. And I'm sure it didn't look good to his mother seeing these things. To John, that he was so close to, the other disciples. But sometimes circumstances seem bleak, but just know that with Jesus, better days are ahead. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you're going through something that it just seems like, I I don't know if I can do this. With Jesus, better days are ahead. And the last thing, sometimes it is best to be silent. Sure, Jesus could have said all kinds of other clever things, but in a particular moment, it was best that he stay silent. And that's what he chose to do. It was prophesied he would do this. And he did that. And maybe in your case, sometimes it's best to be silent. Maybe you're dealing with some issues with some family. They need your sage wisdom but you know they're not going to listen. Maybe you have to love them without giving them the speech right now. Maybe it's got to come. Maybe just like with Jesus, you got to wait for them to open the door and then say what needs to be said. Let's pray. God help us. It's very difficult to go back in time and and try to place ourselves in that moment. As we imagined earlier, just being in the middle of a passion play, even just thinking about being in a passion play, it's uncomfortable to think about people all around us shouting against Jesus. And God, sometimes we're uncomfortable because you give us some truth that we need to hear but don't want to hear. Sometimes, Lord, we need that kick in the pants. So thank you. Sometimes things seem very bleak to us, Lord, and we don't know how it's going to get any better. We don't see how it's going to get better. But we trust you, and we trust your word. We know that with you, all things are possible. We know that if we love you, 
that you'll work things out. So God, we take our struggles and we take our pain and we take our doubts and we lay them before you today. Forgive us when we don't believe that you can handle anything that is thrown our way if we just hand it to you. We're sorry when we mess up again and again. Forgive us, Lord. Pull us closer to you. It's where we want to be. It's where you want us. So we ask that you would use even the remainder of this service to pull us closer to you. Even now. In Jesus' name, amen.